going. Four two three, get fame. That's four two three, get fame. I would tell you to leave a message, but the truth is, I don't really care. I've had this hotline open for months, and not one of you jokers have what it takes to be famous like me. So leave a message if you want, but don't expect a call back. I've got way more important things to do than to waste my time on losers like Mascarita Sagrada and you all. Thank you, and have a nice day. Hey there, folks, and welcome back to the Grave Consequences Podcast. I am Caleb B. That's where you can follow me on Twitter. Follow Greg at xmaserati. Follow the show at gc underscore cast. Check out the Social Suplex Podcast Network wherever you download your podcast. Of course, we have our solo feed. But if you want the aggregate feed where you can get everything here on the Social Suplex Network, that would include shows like All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr. and Austin Summerwitz, 8-Bit Suplex with Josh McLaughlin, um, Great Match Generator with DJ Cooks, Grown Men Watch This Shit with Jeremy Tate and Chris Things, Chris Bryan, Keeping It Strong Style, that's New Japan based with uh, Jeremy Donovan and Josh Smith, One Nation Radio, of course, with Rich and James, and that's actually it. So uh, with all that concern uh, considered, this is, the recording date is July 22nd. We are here to review season two, episode five of Lucha Underground. The title of that is simply The Machine. And what is that in a reference to? Uh, Burt Kreischer. Could be. Could it be the machine of corporate America? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Could, could be. Could be a number of things, man. Could be Brian Cage, but that's a shot in the dark. No. I don't think he has a nickname based on no, machinery at all. No. He definitely doesn't. Could be could be Otis or Tuck. Could be. Dog trying to make an appearance in the podcast. I can hear that. That's cool. Um, sorry, not trying to be an a hole. Um, okay, so uh, first, sorry. No, I was just gonna say it's nothing. She's been she's been a problem all day. She's been uh, <laughs> interrupting work meetings consistently today. She's woken up and just chosen to be a problem for me. So, yeah. So she she has chosen chaos then. Uh, today, yes, very much so. She is. Uh, very spoiled and very feels very entitled uh to get what she wants when she wants it and uh i won't take accountability for that yeah so the very first thing we see on this episode is pentagon talking to his maestro of course vampiro and uh they kind of spell it out for us here that like ian hodgkinson the the commentator we see at the booth not really the same guy that we you know is control or leading um Pentagon, you know, it's kind of a kind of a Jekyll and Hyde situation. You know? It is. I kind of appreciated this um, this segment, and it, it kind of makes me feel like going back in some of our earlier opinions. We we have been kind of harsh on this show, mm-hmm. and it some of it is because we've forgotten certain things. Especially me, like I've forgotten pivotal things that have changed my opinion on things, like Alberto El Patron, uh, Sexy Star some of her matches and how she came across and even uh I'm trying to think who else was I, did I change? Oh, we changed our mind on Hernandez like completely. Yes. Uh, yes. And this, this kind of story, this segment 
makes Vampiro's character on the show less aggravating. Uh, yeah. Because you know he's, he has a split personality. So, I mean, maybe they should have done it sooner. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of not late in the season, but we, this is the fifth episode. We're finally seeing, like, you know, who it is. We're finally seeing, like, how he came out as, almost as a different person, how he's not, you know, taking accountability for the things he did or even acknowledging that he has a relationship with Pentagon. Is it a split personality or is it just complete? Um, I don't know uh, what's the word, but just oblivious obliviousness to like their own actions or will uh, complete unwillingness uh, to take accountability. Sociopathy, maybe. I don't know. Maybe because uh, I'm 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 not a shrink, so I don't I don't know all the terms. But there, <laughs> it does add more questions. But it does for me. It makes it so it's not because the first four episodes, it's kind of like rewatching. It's like okay. It's kind of obnoxious, Vampiro ignoring you know the elephant in the room, and it it's it does kind of bring you in and get you excited like a wrestling show like should, uh, but it can be frustrating, and I think this kind of this segment took out some of the frustration for me. Yeah, I would. Uh, I see where you come from here. But Vampiro stresses that hey, together, nothing is going to stop us, and also he says you know don't let anything stand in your way, not even Katrina, and he stresses katrina he doesn't stress stress mil muertes so it's like even vampiro and his demented state knows like she's the one holding all the chips right now not mil muertes he's more of like uh as badass as he is he's kind of like a puppet you know you know what it's funny because i just had this thought as you said that uh <laughs> vampiro is the dentist to pentagon's mac if you watch always sunny oh my god <laughs> don't let him take don't take no for an answer <laughs> yes yes dude yes that is great that is great and i like to imagine that um dennis is <laughs> what like he doesn't let maddie mac eat apples right is that it <laughs> he won't let him eat the skin there we go yes yes because he's not allowed to because of the toxins in the skin i he want the episode to... where uh vampiro buys a boat and they talk about the implications. I want the episode where they have to move to the suburbs. <laughs> or when they go to Atlantic City. And Pentagon Pentagon buys uh, buys Vampiro a dog. Oh, no, that's getting too dark, bro. And then feeds him to him. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. But the implications, you know, the implication being the Vampiro or Pentagon might have to break your arm. Who knows? But our first match of the night, Jack Evans versus PJ Black. And anytime Jack Evans gets to talk, it's just amazing. He comes in, grabs the mic, says, sorry, Melissa, but we're, we're sick of amateur hour. <laughs> and he also says, the hero you never knew you'd had is about to speak. Jack Evans is just so extra. He's great in Lucha Underground. He's, yeah. he's incredible. I, I don't know where he's at. He, I, I, I was talking to you the other I think it was the last show. He's balked up the last yeah. time. I, I, I don't watch all of Dark and all of Elevation. Yeah. Just because uh, AEW starting to have more, more content than WWE almost. They yeah. Have like three shows now. Of, it is a bit oversaturated. Like, they had such a huge roster. It's crazy. I went, to, uh, I went to Dynamite last night, actually. I don't know if I told you that, but I went to Dynamite and, you know, they did like 
four or five matches on dark before dynamite and they did two hours of dynamite and then we were like an hour and a half into dark elevation and we're like oh we need to get out of here because we had heard the hardy family office movie music like five times that night it's like getting a a bit much you know like a law of diminishing returns you know yeah i haven't watched elevation i'm not sure is elevation on youtube or is that on tv it's on youtube on monday night yeah I, i'm gonna stick to to the main show uh, yeah. i feel like i'm not gonna probably. miss anything i would probably just give them dark and or dynamite when they do rampage uh do that because it's only an hour a week so three hours of AEW a week probably enough yeah i'd say so i mean i, I dynamites have been really good like the uh, i haven't oh, watched last, this week's last night's was amazing i'm glad <laughs> i was there yeah i haven't gotten around to watching it I want. I'm probably. I might try to watch it tonight. I always forget Wednesdays. Yeah. Hey, it's fine, man. It's it's fine. So PJ Black is his opponent, of course, and I didn't write a lot down about the match because this was more about story than anything. More about story. I mean, <laughs> I did like when Drago came out and was. He had that cool like super dragon mask on, like where it's just like a demon dragon head had super yeah. long it was elongated it had long horns it was like a demon dragon yeah he's doing yeah. nunchucks on the top of the <laughs> i don't know what that thing is called but like wherever angelico always jumps off of jack evans at one point throws his water bottle at him yep and you would think he would be the one that takes the l because he's distracted by drago but uh drago accidentally poisoned miss pj black mm-hmm after PJ Black was able to do like a, I forget what move he did, but he did a really devastating move to uh, Jack Evans when he was distracted by Drago. But uh, Jack Evans was able to kick out. Yeah, he was. He was. You're right. Um, and yeah, Jack Evans gets the win. PJ Black loses going to second loss at the hands of Drago, to be honest with you. And that will have implications on the uh, as the show goes forward. Yes, it will. But as we go forward, we see a commercial for a man in a suit. And he's telling us, you know, if we want to get famous, we got to call this particular line. And the line is 423-GET-FAME. That's 423-GET-FAME. It'll turn you from a jobber to a robber. And I found out this morning, because I called, just to see, uh, let's see if the number's still up. It's still up! It's crazy that, I mean, who's paying for it? Who knows, man? Maybe they bought it out for like a certain amount of years. And because uh, I guess this would, this or next year would probably be the end of the seven-year contract that uh, a lot of those people signed, I guess. Well, it's kind of crazy because I think at the time it was a different message when it first came on. And I think it changed it was, over time. Yeah, yeah it, it changed over time. It changed at some point in, I think, the second or third season. Yeah, that's that's the message we got was we can't say it. I mean, we'll, we'll actually we are going to play it. So, it's you know, be ready for spoilers. But actually, yeah. there's, there's nothing for spoilers. He just mentioned someone. But yeah. uh, it, it alludes to a, 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 a storyline that happens. But I mean, Famous B really does like a, a 180, almost a Hernandez 180, because this gimmick is really good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. He goes from just random guy to get his arm broken to like oh this guy does commercials now mm-hmm. he becomes a very good character a very good talker absolutely 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 
Next up, we had King Cuerno versus Killshot. This is a match that happened last year in NXT that people raved about for like a month, and I still haven't actually seen it. But <laughs> this was, I mean, the basic story here is Killshot fought hard, but Cuerno was basically just too much. I mean, they had some, their styles are very similar. Uh, I know, you know, Cuerno goes for that predator type of style, and Killshot goes for something similar, but he's more like an assassin. Mm-hmm. So, like, there was one point where they're striking it, and Vampiro says, sounds like a gunshot. And it, you know, it's alluding to their style. And mm-hmm. when I saw their NXT match, I wasn't really that impressed. Like, it, because it, just because we've seen what they can do in, in Lucha Underground. And I was thinking about it, and I think it's just the style thing because it, they're wrestling in the NXT style, which is fine. Yeah. But, like I'm really particular. Like this is a this is a subjective opinion. I'm really particular to the way they wrestle, both of them in in Lucha Underground. I like that predatorial, you know, hunter style, like where they're you know, really stiff strikes, you know, really snappy moves, almost like how you know how Benoit had that snap German or that snap suplex. Yes. Like, I really like that snappy dynamite kid kind of, you know, even Daniel Bryan style. Like, I wouldn't, you know, Daniel Bryan, when I first saw him, he was kind of a, you know, wasn't the most exciting character, but his wrestling style. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, I came like, up with a drinking game, though, for the for whenever they fight. Uh-oh. You got to take a shot whenever someone gets kicked in the face and you'll get shit faced. During a Cuerno match? Cuerno and kill shot. Take a shot whenever yeah. someone uh, gets kicked in the face. Or any one time anytime someone slaps their thigh, you'll you'll be uh going to the ER. Oh god. <laughs> but yeah, Cuerno gets the win. Basically he was just too much here, man. And after the match he goes for the thrill of the kill, attempts to do it on the seal, which I always love. But he is stopped by Phoenix, who when we last saw him was beating King Cuerno in the last Luchador standing match. So so this feud is still continuing. And it's fine for uh, Killshot to lose here because yeah. they're building Cuerno up as like a legitimate gatekeeper mm-hmm. in storyline too to get to yeah. Mill. So if he had lost, it would have been something people complained about when WWE does something like with <laughs> Killer Cross. <laughs> like it would be booking yes. people cl- complain about as much as and I, as much as I like Killshot. It doesn't hurt him too bad because he's still upper mid card. Yeah. Even though even as even though his record isn't great, he's his move set and his style of wrestling is always so exciting that he's hi- he's higher in the card. Uh, he he does need some wins, but uh, Quirino is hiring him on the card in kayfabe right now so not the end of the world yeah so after that we get the tejano gauntlet as i call it it's tejano against both members of the crew and chavo in that order so he starts off against mr cisco super kicks him and immediately pins him you know what man i I checked out for this match so i'm I'm afraid you're on your own (laughs) that's fine that's fine man Matt Stryker at one point drops a Lieutenant Loco, which I didn't think we would hear MIA reference in 2016, but okay, that's certainly a choice. Uh, Cortez Castro's next. Cortez Castro used his speed to get the advantage, but didn't matter. Uh, Tejano got the win. Chavo was next, and Chavo does get the win after Cortez Castro holds down Tejano's feet with his own bull rope. So... 
like a live by the sword, die by the sword situation. Hoisted by his own petard? Sure. Maybe. Sure. His own bull rope. There we go. There we go. So uh, you checked out for that gauntlet. I don't blame you. Mm. Uh, next up, we had a vignette for Dario Cueto. And Matanza is in the background, or not in the background, uh, somewhere eating. We can hear him eating. And <laughs> Black Lotus is asking. And it's not barbecue, by the way, that he's eating. It's not anything like that, of course. Black Lotus is asking if they can leave. Dario's like, ah, you know, we're we're headed that way, but <laughs> it is what it is. And then Dario Cueto tells a story about Matanza saving his life. And he talks about, you know, how an abusive mom that they had. And, you know, she would beat him and Matanza. And the reason that bull, that red toro, is so special to Dario, because that red toro is what Matanza used to kill their abusive mother. And Lotus is like, I'm so sorry. And Dario's like, don't be. For me, it's a happy memory. Because that's when I learned how much I love violence. So we're getting a lot of exposition for the Dario Cueto character here. Dario's definitely a person that was made evil. Because uh, mm-hmm. in previous episodes, I think they alluded to how the Cuetos even let a demon possess their son, Matanza. Yeah. Uh, which is why he's eating people right now. Yeah in this scene and uh dario's a victim of abuse his mother abused him so that's why he has like a weird relationship with strong women uh i think that could be why he was trying to destroy if you want to like dig deeper into it like why she he was trying to to detest sexy star uh maybe he it's kind of like the villain that doesn't believe a hero is a hero and is dead set to prove that they're actually a villain by doing villainous things Uh, but he's He's such a good character. He's like such a deep. I'm not sure how on purpose they meant they meant to make him as a character, but he's pretty. He's very interesting character, very deep and a lot of flaws. And the story does revolve around him and the tribes. Like he's a him and his family are pivotal uh, characters for this story, much more than Black Lotus. She is just get rid of her. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, pretty expendable at this point in time. She just doesn't. I mean, her story just does not. I think they they sidebar a little bit and they they reposition her into a, a role that makes more sense for her. Yeah, uh, going forward, but uh, it it was a whole season of of her being silly. Yeah, absolutely. So after that vignette for Dario, we see a vignette for the new proprietor of the temple, Katrina. Katrina's walking inside the temple, somewhere in the back, you know, probably where you know. Puma does his bicep curls and everything. And Pentagon yells for her from the, the training ring. Pentagon asks for a match with Mil Muertes. Katrina says no. And this leads to some fight choreography. Pentagon eventually gets the better and has her in the position to break her arm. And then she just disappears with the darkness. Anytime uh, those lights go out, she gets her powers and she can just disappear. I mean, it's Financially, it's probably the smartest way to, you know, film someone teleporting. Yes, yes, most likely. <laughs> she was, but uh, when he was doing the uh, the arm breaker, she was starting to bite her lower lip. So I don't know how much she was against it. She seems to be mm. a pretty chaotic god. Yes, masochistic. Yes, sadistic, masochistic, maybe all of it. Mm-hmm. 
uh, we'll, we can assume uh, she's a dangerous woman. Mm. Yeah. Better be careful there, Greg. I know she's already, this is when I fell for her. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, our main event of the evening, Johnny Mundo versus Cage. And um, I noticed that, oh, by the way, we didn't point it out earlier, but Cage, he's got a mohawk now. He's got like a Taz mohawk, right? Yeah, he didn't have because he didn't have that mohawk in the first season. No, I don't think he did either. No, he came he, back from the break with the mohawk. It was pretty cool. I ain't complaining. I mean, it's a cool looking mohawk. Yeah, and being the face that he is, he enters from atop the stairs now. So that's that's really cool too, in my opinion. Nice little attention to detail. There was a. Uh, uh... In this match, there was a very bad Mike Tyson impression by Vampiro. I'm glad you noted it. I did, too. It was so bad that Vampiro was like, hey, don't do this ever again. Yeah, it trailed off. It didn't even make sense uh, Uh why he was doing it and what he was even saying. Yeah. But uh, that stood out really bad. I mean, he has his moments, and we're not trying to pick on Vampiro as a commentator, but it was just it was noticeable. Stryker was the one that did the impersonation. Oh, it was Stryker? Oh, well, he should yeah. feel bad. Yeah. Absolutely. He should know better. Absolutely, he should know better. Oh, man. Uh, Mundo, by the way, had a pretty clear strategy from the, the, the ring of the bell because he slapped Brian Cage right in the face as soon as the match started. It was, this was, I mean, as we said before, Mundo, he, he, he makes matches so much better than they you really expect them to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he adds so much, and him and Cage are a great, great matchup. Their, their styles go well together, so they, they go well like peanut butter and jelly almost. Like it's this yeah. is a great match. One of my favorite moves was what was called a step up springboard quark. Uh, that's what they said. My closed caption said thwart, T H W A R T. Yeah, uh, quark is like a like a particle like an atom and a thwart i don't even know what that is so i don't know if that was just something uh striker made up or if that's actually the name of the move it looked like it was one of those uh he springboarded and he just did kind of like a uh flipping crossbody i think yeah it was cool but i didn't know it needed its own special name (laughs) (laughs) oh man but yeah the the main story of this match was that you know johnny mundo dominated a, a good early portion of it but Ultimately, Cage was the better man here, even when he was like sucking wind, because he like he was winded pretty quick tonight. I don't know what I'm sure that was just a story choice because Cage, typically his conditioning is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are trying to sell that one. He's a machine, so he can keep going. But the the thing is with Mundo, he's so agile and involves parkour and everything that even though he's a machine, he could still, you know, uh He's still going to cast for sure. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he, I know Cage, I'm not sure how close you are to the end, but uh, we can start. I have some notes on the end. Okay. Um, let's see here. Uh, Cage at one point hits the F5. It's called the Lucha Destroyer. Only gets a two because Johnny gets to the ropes. Cage moves out of the way of the end of the world and nails a discus lariat. We get a weapon X by Cage, and that should be the end of things, right? that's exactly where i was going to end up i mean it's a visual it's a visible and clean win like it's just he hits that finisher clean yes uh, on the seal right on the seal right yep yeah and 
But then we see someone that shows up. Yes. And they introduce a foreign object that gives Johnny the opportunity to win. So we see a blonde luchadora introduce a pipe into the corner of the ring. And she decides to distract the referee. Johnny grabs the pipe and hits Cage with it and steals the win. We find out this luchadora is named Taya. Yes, Taya Valkyrie. Uh, Frankie Monet in NXT now. Oh, she's in NXT now? Yeah, yeah. She signed back in like February or something. Dude, NXT's got some really strong female talent now. Like they got, I know people are talking about uh, Shotzi and I think uh, Tegan going to to the main roster. Yeah, but they also got Bea Priestley too. Yeah, so... they got, she's in NXT UK, but um, oh, they've okay. got they've got Io Shirai still. They've got Candice and Andy Hartwell. Um, Raquel Gonzalez is still the NXT Women's Champion. Ember Moon. Like they've they've still got plenty of good hands in the roster. Tony Storm. Oh yeah, they got a lot of uh, female talent in their back pocket that probably are are already ready for the main roster. But you know, uh, a lot of people will complain once they go out because <laughs> they won't like yeah. what they do with them. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. Oh, <laughs> after the match. Um... Oh, by the way, Vampiro says, I got nothing but love for that girl. And uh, I'm sure Taya definitely felt the love about a year and a half later when she had her belt stolen from her. But that's outside of Lucha Underground. Um. <laughs> I don't think Vamp has any good relationship with any wrestlers. Nah, I think he's kind of a pariah. Um, Johnny hits the end of the world and the two Rudos. Oh, but by the way, before the before the end of the world, Johnny, you know, takes Cage to the corner, and he says, you want a little massage, buddy? <laughs> that popped me. Double knees to the face in the corner by Ty Valkyrie, into the world by Johnny, and the two Rudos hug, I do believe. Yes, they do. Right at the no end. Kiss. No kissing. I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you think some aerial moves would and dives would be better if they were done against someone that's standing instead of someone that's grounded? Uh, for example, last show, I think you said you didn't really care for the end of the world because it doesn't really ever hit correctly. Yeah. What if he hit them standing? Because then they could catch him, they could absorb the full impact, and then they could all land together. Mm, yeah, that could work. That could work. Because I have the same complaint about some diving moves. Yeah. And I feel like if people were standing... Uh, it would be less impact on some people's knees, right? Yeah. And they wouldn't have to completely miss like a swanton bomb. A swanton bomb is a move I've never really liked. <laughs> yeah. Because it doesn't really make much sense. Yeah. Like you're hitting them with kind of the back of your head and you're flipping right at the end. Yeah. But if someone did that in the air, you know, they could really just hit them as they're flipping. Uh-huh. No, you're right. I see where you're coming from. And I just thought about, like, how many moves are won with a side, like, aside from, like, a move like AJ Styles' uh, diving forearm? How many diving aerial moves are done to a standing opponent for a finish, for, like, a real finish? Not that many. Like, I can't really think of any besides maybe uh, Rey Mysterio's 619, right? Yeah. Or... AJ Styles flying forearm. Yeah. That's really about it. 
Code Red a little bit? Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was an interesting question I came up with. No, it, it is. It is, man. Don't don't feel uh, don't feel any pressure on account of me, bud. That's good. Um, let's see here. Oh, after this, King Cuerno goes to Katrina's office, and uh, Cuerno says, "Like, hey, Phoenix isn't dying, and I'm tired of being the hunted. I want my title shot." And Katrina says, "No." In fact, you've got a match next week against Phoenix for the title. He's definitely got a Craven the Hunter vibe because he's afraid of this prey. Yeah. You know, if he if either he can't face the fact that this prey might be better than him. So he's just trying to avoid him now. And and she's right. She's like, no, you agreed to this. Like, what what are you talking about? Yeah, it's well, Okay, here's the thing. Katrina says, I hope he fly because opponent can. Phoenix next week in a ladder match and it's like oh so so she's just wanting to like hot potato the belt so nobody can cash in that's the vibe I'm getting or uh, maybe he's become too much of a problem where he's not keeping Phoenix away from them like she originally planned so what use is he right so might as well if if he wins then great he he inadvertently keeps Phoenix away. If he loses, well, at least Phoenix is kind of beat up from the latter match. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Wish she care. <laughs> yeah. Who knows, man. But hey, guys, that's the episode. We thank you for listening. And uh, join us next week when we discuss Season 2, Episode 6.